Psalm 141, verse number 1. Lord, I cry unto thee. Make haste unto me. Give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set before thee as incense, and the lifting up of mine hand, my hands as the evening sacrifice. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would bring to our attention uh, an illustration that your word gives to us here. May we use that illustration wisely. May it be in accord with your, the entire uh, scripture from beginning to end. And may our Savior be glorified as we make these considerations. Help us to pray better, Lord, as we learn more of this subject, a never-ending subject. Teach us. Glorify yourself before us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. During their years in the wilderness, Israel was taught to worship the Lord at the tabernacle. I hope that you can picture the tabernacle. I should have brought an illustration out for you. There was a rectangular uh, curtain set up that goes around or went around the courtyard of the tabernacle. Inside this courtyard, there was another tent, shall we say, with two compartments in that tent, the holy place and the holy of holies. Outside the tabernacle was a brazen laver where the Jews did their ceremonial washings. It was a huge thing, very large. And then just uh, further out toward the east, there was the brazen altar where the blood and the sacrifices were consumed by fire. Tonight, once again, I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. I think I said that last week. And you'll see the reason why here in just a minute. Inside the tabernacle were a number of pieces of furniture, including on the very inside, inside the holiest of places, was the mercy seat, the ark and the mercy seat, and a curtain in front of that. And just in front of that curtain was a golden altar, not made out of brass, made out of gold. And on this golden altar was incense burned. We might say constantly, but at least every morning and every evening, more incense was placed on this uh, altar of incense. Now, many preachers and writers enjoy taking the tabernacle apart, piece by piece, layer by layer, every pin, every joint, sometimes uh, making spiritual applications of each and every one of those parts and pieces. And that's where I get a little nervous. For example, uh, my soul was thrilled years ago to read a message about the silver sockets in which the boards sat, which uh, held up the sides of the tabernacle. They were, they're described in the Word of God. They're made of silver, and each of the boards that made up the sides of the tabernacle 
had two pins, one on each end of the board, and they sat down in the silver socket. I think this was a sermon by Spurgeon. Anyway, it blessed my heart. It really did. As he applied his imagination to the tabernacle in the wilderness. It was really quite good. I enjoyed it. Uh, not every preacher is able to handle the Word of God in as uh, spectacular a fashion as uh, C.H. Schofield, and I am including myself in that number. In reality, not every part of the tabernacle can be used to illustrate some New Testament principle or doctrine. For example, the Bible authorizes us to use the brazen altar as a picture of the cross. You have a question, sir? What did I say? <laughs> I know, I can get some soap. <laughs> oh. For those of you who cannot hear what's going on, you did hear the error that I spoke. C.H. Schofield. I meant Spurgeon. I meant Spurgeon. Thank you for that correction. That was very appropriate. <laughs> Wave your hand whenever you... Okay. Where was I? <laughs> Not every part of the tabernacle can be used to illustrate some New Testament principle. Uh, the brazen altar is a picture of the cross of Christ. We have New Testament principle that says that. And the mercy seat there in the Holy of Holies, that's, that's definitely talking about the, the place where Israel was to meet their Savior with the sprinkling of the blood every year. But... Uh, there were cherubims that looked down on the mercy seat. Did the cherubims have feathers? Did each one of the feathers have a specific spiritual meaning? No, I don't think so. Inside the holy place, and just before the curtain into the Holy of Holies, there stood that altar of incense, that golden altar. There are no direct biblical statements anywhere in the Pentateuch, anywhere in the five books of Moses, that tell us the altar of incense is a picture of, and spelling it out for us. We don't find that sort of thing there. But the altar of incense was to burn incense. And we do have a few scriptures elsewhere in God's word that make reference to incense and make application of incense. So we can step a little way into allegories and pictures and symbols because we do have a little authority to do that. David was beseeching the Lord, as we see here in Psalm 141. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense. Let my prayer be as incense. In the book of Revelation, chapter 5 and verse number 8, we read, The four beasts and twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors. Where are the saints, excuse me, the prayers of the saints? These twenty-four elders had censers in which there were odors, incense. 
It's described a little better in Revelation chapter 8, three chapters later. Another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. I think that I have biblical authority to say that incense in the word of God points to prayer can teach us things about prayer. The question which still sits upon my head is how far do we extend the illustration? I'm just going to extend it a little ways. We're not going to have a long lesson tonight. And you can either take it or leave it. You can apply it or throw it aside. I'll just leave that up to the Holy Spirit in your heart there. But I do see some principles. The incense Israel used in the tabernacle was specially prepared. Please turn to the book of Exodus chapter 30. Exodus 30. The chapter begins with the construction and the placement of the tabernacle's golden altar of incense. It's described there how it was made and where it was to sit within the holy place. Then verse number 7 says, And Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning, when he dresseth the lamps, which were also in the holy place, he shall burn incense upon this golden altar. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at evening, at even, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. Should I tell you that in addition to praying without ceasing throughout the day, each morning should begin with fellowship with God, and every evening should end with thanksgiving for the Lord's blessings that day, an evening and morning sacrifice. We don't offer blood anymore. That's been taken care of by our Savior. But we are still supposed to be sacrificial people, at least uh, verbally, if nothing more. In the morning and in the evening, in the holy place, there was incense offered to the Lord. At the very least, there's a parallel between Israel's daily sacrifices and the Christian's devotions. Later in chapter 30 of Exodus, God tells Moses about the composition of this incense. Let's see, where is it? Verse number 34. Yes. Verse number 34. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take unto these sweet spices, Stakti, Onacha, Galbanum, these sweet spices, with pure frankincense, of each shall there be a like Wait, and thou shalt make a perfume, a confection after the art of the apothecary, tempered together, pure and holy. And thou shalt beat some of it very small and put of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation where I will meet with thee. It shall be unto you most holy. 
I am not going to try to describe and apply each of the four ingredients that went into the incense. I'll let somebody else do that. If you want to look that up, you can probably find some sermon somewhere where each of these things are described and applied. I'm not even confident in pronouncing the names of these things, let alone applying them. I'll just leave it at that. But I will boldly tell you this. God was very specific in his directions to Moses about the, the manufacturing, the production of this incense. He knew exactly what these ingredients were, and Moses better know what they are too. So this incense was carefully, even meticulously prepared. What does that tell us about prayer? Throughout the day, our hearts and minds often should rise from our earthly activities right into the, the throne room of God. It should happen constantly. We don't need to fold our hands. We don't need to bow our heads. We don't need to close our eyes to commune with our Savior. We should be so close to the Lord throughout the day that there's only a breath or a thought that is between us. Just that curtain, shall we say. But on the other hand, at the end of the day, when we take time to thank the Lord for the blessings of that day, we need to stop and consider what those blessings are. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. And when we wake up in the morning, uh, Brother Bacot should come to our mind. And uh, uh, Darren's dad should come to our mind. And so many others. It's not, it's not evil to have a prayer list, to go through that list as we consider our, our conversation with the Lord. And in our specific requests, we need to make sure that there isn't any foreign things mixed into that incense. The Lord is not interested in having any uh, uh, powdered peanut butter mixed into his uh, four-ingredient incense, or dirt and dust, as far as that goes. There shouldn't be any animosity, any prayer, or excuse me, anger, any jealousy in our prayers. They should, there shouldn't be any greed in there. There shouldn't be any pride in there. Maybe I should try to apply those four things to four good things. I don't know. I'll leave that to somebody else. Thy will be done, Lord. Yes, I know that I am asking you for these things that are upon my heart, but Lord, at the same time, I am willing to sacrifice them for your honor and glory. May your will be done. Purity. Purity. I'm assuming that Israel's four-ingredient blend was made up of dry materials. There's no mention of olive oil. There's no mention of water being mixed in there. This is not an anointing oil. It's not a lotion. It's not a cream. The incense was to be burned on the golden altar when it was dry. And it was crushed. It was beaten into a very fine powder. So says the word of God. Some writers apply that to mean that our prayers should come from spiritual brokenness. And I won't disagree with that. Those morning and evening prayers, periods of deliberate verbal offerings, must be 
must include a recognition of our unworthiness yes. to come to the throne room of God. We are nothing. We are worthless. We are small. And even though we may think that our requests are huge and even earth-shattering, they need to be beaten down and thoroughly mixed with reverence, humility, and thanksgiving. What do you think God would have done with a priest that just walked into the uh, holy place one day and threw in a big uh, uh, leaf of uh, galbanum right onto the altar? It never happened, so we don't have a record of anything in the way of punishment. But it was all supposed to be mixed together and ground very small. Although there are similarities, incense is not the same thing as potpourri. Potpourri. The definition of potpourri is a mixture of dried petals and spices placed in a bowl or small sack to perfume clothing or a room. Incense involves burning, or at the very least, heating up whatever it is. I know that I'm pushing the envelope just a little bit. You can take it or leave it. But for the incense of our prayers to rise into heaven, we need the fire of the Holy Spirit to carry it there. I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of seeing a dozen hot air balloons rise into the sky at the same time. It's pretty spectacular. It's pretty interesting. They're beautiful and they're fascinating. Lifting off the ground only because the air inside the balloon is warmer or hotter than the air outside the balloon. If I can put it this way, only when the Holy Spirit burns in our hearts, underneath our burdens, underneath our joys, is the sweet smell of our prayer going to rise to the Lord. Not my idea. Romans 8.26 Likewise, the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I think it was 1 Corinthians. The Holy Spirit maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Scriptures give us a couple of words of caution about our incense on the golden altar. Exodus 30 and verse number 9 says, You shall offer no strange incense thereon, referring to foreign incense. Remember the, the altar, the golden altar, the altar of incense, was right before the curtain which separated the holy place from the most holy place. Inside the most holy place was the mercy seat. Our few moments of daily prayer take us to the very threshold of God's throne. We burn our incense before the Lord, verse number 8. That is, in His presence we burn that incense. The Lord is right there, even though there's a curtain sheltering him from our eyes. He's right there. How could we approach the infinitely holy God smelling like uh, oh, earthly manure? Or even Chanel number five. 
He wants his incense, mm. not our incense. Praying for that which we know to be contrary to God's will is inviting the ground to open up under our feet. In Leviticus 10.1 we read, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, the high priest, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire strange incense before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, This is that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. When we go before the Lord, we better do it properly, with his incense, only his incense, and for his glory, not our own. Another word of warning comes in Exodus 30 and verse number 37. And as for the perfume which thou shalt make, ye shall make, not make it to yourselves. According to the composition thereof, it shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. Whosoever maketh like unto that to smell thereof, he shall even be cut off from his people. Making this incense for personal use meant the wrath of God. Just think about the thousands of people who came out of Egypt, all with different preferences, different likes and dislikes. And the temple, the tabernacle was eventually put together, and the priests are ministering there. And the people might walk by the outside of the uh, courtyard and, 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 and catch a whiff of the, the Lord's incense. And some of them might have said, I really like that. I think I'm going to go back to my tent and see if I can't come up with the same smell. I think my wife would like that. Getting into trouble there. They knew it came from the tabernacle. They might have thought this is really good religion. This is really good spiritual stuff. But whosoever shall make like unto that, the smell thereof, even shall be cut off from his people. There's one more intellectual and spiritual stretch that I'd like to share with you. With the close of the book of Malachi, with the close of the Old Testament, the blessings and the revelations of God ceased for a long time. A century, two centuries, four centuries. 400 years, 400 years there was very little that took place in the spiritual world because Israel was once again back in a sense in Egypt. Not literally so, but spiritually so. But then by the grace of God, a new page was turned, a new chapter began, a new testament was started. With what did the New Testament begin? If you go to Matthew chapter 1, you see there a list of the ancestors of Christ Jesus from Abraham to Joseph. And then we have in chapter 1 of Matthew the angel's visit to Joseph and soon after that we have the birth of Christ. 
But something took place before those events. Not described in Matthew, described in Luke. In Luke 1, the angel of the Lord visited Zacharias, the husband of Elizabeth, who was the cousin of Mary, the mother of Christ. And on that occasion, the angel announced to Zacharias that he and his wife would bring Jesus' forerunner into the world, John the Baptist. What was Zacharias doing when he received his heavenly visitor? Luke 1, verse number 8, says, It came to pass that while Zacharias executed the priest's office before the Lord in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of the incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Zacharias and his wife were among the more godly and spiritual in Israel at that time. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And almost certainly, they were praying for the parousia. They were praying for the coming of the Savior, the coming of the Messiah, let me put it that way. And when he was visited, Zacharias was in the temple burning the Lord's special incense. If you'll permit another application, Zacharias and his wife, along with a few others outside the holy place, were praying for revival. Perhaps they've been pleading with God for years. When will the Messiah come? We want to be alive when the Messiah comes. Lord, bring the Messiah or send the Messiah. Perhaps they've been begging the Lord with tears. Now, these two were childless. They were elderly. They had given up any thought that their family would be in the world when the Savior came, when the Messiah came. But they didn't give up. They continued to pray, burning some of the incense which the Lord had prescribed. Luke 1.13 And the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, thy prayer is heard. And the wife, thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. He shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the, wis to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What I'm trying to illustrate this evening is that the holy nature and spiritual importance of prayer. Let's enter our holy place with the incense that the Lord has ordained. Let's put the fire of the Holy Spirit under it, refusing to ignite it with strange fire. 
Let its sweet savor rise up into heaven morning and evening, tonight and tomorrow and the next day. Let's plead with the Lord for His blessings. Let's plead with the Lord for His glory. Let's take David's prayers our own. Lord, let my prayer be set before Thee as incense. I hope there was some application there that was proper.